0: hello everybody welcome to volume 10 of the range extender podcast and today it's another solo episode just me again um i'm here to read another article that i posted for nba basketball news source.com um it's my top five mid-season rookie ladder so here i have um my top five rankings of every rookie so far and you know let's just get into it um if you haven't listened to the previous podcast before i talked a lot about um the rise and fall of the orlando magic in the nicole vucevic era Uh, i just want to give a quick shout out to vucevic for making his second all-star i'm pretty open about my thoughts on vucevic my thoughts on the magic situation in that podcast as well as just in general, where I think Vucevic has been uh, criminally underrated and honestly wasting a potentially, I don't wanna say Hall of Fame career, but borderline Hall of Fame career in Orlando, where I really think he could have prospered somewhere else. But, you know, I guess you really have to commend his loyalty um, for staying in Orlando this whole time. Uh, Pretty respectable, especially with me being a Magic fan, but enough of that, you know, you can always listen to volume nine for some magic talk, but let's get into the rookie ladder. So before I get into my top five, I just want to make a couple quick notes about some honorable mentions. Uh, I did not talk about them in the article, but magic guard Cole Anthony is a name you think about uh, on some of the top rookies this year. I think about Sadiq Bay who won team of the week a while back think about Tyrese Maxey, who had a great start, kinda trailed off a little bit. But those are some of the guys I considered for this list. Um, but ultimately they did not make it. But I would be remiss if I didn't give them a quick little shout-out. So here we go. So just a little just to preface this list, you know, despite some rumblings of a potentially disappointing rookie class in some of the pre-draft analysis, this 2020 group has had plenty of surprises. Even without a regular preseason, adequate college games, pre-draft training because of the pandemic, this year's class has shown some serious grit, some serious potential, and um, just overall, I've been impressed with them. You know, there were there wasn't even a summer league. You know, there, there weren't a lot of opportunities for these guys to get NBA reps before the season but I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from them. So even though there haven't been any immediate stars like Luka was, like John Morant and Zion Williamson were in years past, uh, these rookies have, some of these rookies on this list at least, have had clear added value in the league and on their team going forward, uh, as well as currently. So, yeah, let's get into the top five. So, at number five, I had Emmanuel Quickly uh, guard for the Knicks out of Kentucky. Um, I believe he was the 17th overall pick. Uh, Let me fact check that really quick. He was 25th pick. Not 17th. I don't know where I got that number from, but uh, yeah, he was the 25th pick, and he now plays for the New York Knicks. So... He's averaging 12.2 points per game, 2.2 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 0.4 steals, 0.9 turnovers, and his shooting splits are honestly, like, really confusing and not very parallel. Uh, He's shooting 94% from the line, 37% from three, so you're thinking, okay, this guy's pretty efficient, right? Well, he's shooting 39% overall. Now, I know, obviously, percentage, field goal percentage really isn't everything, you have to look at volume you have to look at his shot chart but still it's just kind of a weird stat line Uh, i'm not too familiar with his shot chart but i can assume if he if he has a lot of efficiency he's likely shooting a lot of threes in the next games i've seen uh, quickly doesn't necessarily uh, look for paint shots he's more of a kind of dribble dribble sauce around and then take a shot from three guy if he can or just like a catch-and-shoot type guy, but um, so that's where the uh, kind of discontinuity in uh, his percentage could be, but quickly grew up modeling his game after the legendary six-man Lou Williams, and that's clear C. His crafty, offensive-minded style gives him Jamal Crawford-like, Lou Williams-like, and Jordan Clarkson-like potential, and uh, he's already kind of showing some aspects of their game. The way he looks to score, especially... And the way he chases buckets is like it's, it's pretty admirable. And he definitely can serve a key role on many future teams. Um, but not only that, he's contributing to winning now. Uh, when Thibodeau rarely decides to put one of his more seasoned guards on the bench, as Thibodeau is known for playing a lot of his guys all the time, 48 minutes a game, um, you know, the Thibodeau trademark, quickly speed and pace can change that momentum fast. Uh, also, The Knicks are on a tear right now, and this whole season in general, exceeding expectations in a major way. And so with Quickly being a part of that, there's always some bonus points uh, when the Knicks are winning games, obviously. Uh, Moving on to number four, we have James Wiseman, averaging 12.2 points just like Quickly, 5.9 rebounds, 0.7 assists, 1.2 blocks, 1.5 turnovers, uh, 51% overall. 43% 43% from three on only one attempt a game, not in ridiculous volume, and 64% from the line. Now, Wiseman uh, was one of those guys who had a lot of hype coming out of high school, but then only played a few games in college because of a NCAA eligibility thing that happened with uh, coach and mentor Penny Hardaway. Can't really knock him for it. It wasn't necessarily his fault, so... Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, I would expect him to take a little bit to acclimate to the NBA, especially when he's only played three organized basketball games in like a year and a half, since high school, basically. So just like the rest of these guys, he's shown excellent potential, perhaps the most potential in this class, but he hasn't quite put it all together this season or yet. We've seen Draymond Green coach him on and off the court. We've seen Steve Kerr coach him off the court, so with this warrior system he's gaining a lot of knowledge he's learning the game he's learning the system so um you know i think he's sure to become a transcendent center and honestly the perfect big in this evolving league he looks like he could be a top high value big man and that's pretty rare nowadays um you know the like everybody says the big man position has become devalued but that's not necessarily the case Uh, I would say the average big man has been devalued with guys like Mason Plumlee, Myers Leonard, Kelly Olenek. You know, those type of like mid-tier could start on a team, but not necessarily the type of guy you want to start if you're trying to win games. That type of center mold has definitely become devalued because at this point they're about a dime a dozen, even though they all have different skill sets. But the top centers like your Embiid's, your Jokic's, your Karl-Anthony Towns, All those guys are definitely becoming extremely high value. Your Anthony Davises, you know, these are the guys that are in MVP conversations year in and year out as opposed to, like, like a Mason Plumlee, like I said earlier, being kind of one of your super uh, high-valued big-man free agents because, like I said, uh, at this point, they're a dime a dozen. Even, like, Nerlens Noel, there's just so many of these type of guys you can pick up pretty easily uh, and for cheap. But every few games or so, he has a couple like he has a few like couple minute stretches where it looks like he he kind of meets his potential. You know he's catching lobs, blocking shots left and right, and even like spotting off the spotting up off the dribble or catch and shoot jumpers he's taking, which are very impressive. And it's uh like, it's this type of versatility that makes him such an intriguing prospect for the future. But unfortunately, the fourth best rookie so far in my opinion moving on to our number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. He He's kind of tricky. Uh, he's at the three spot. He's averaging 14.3 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, 2.6 assists, 0.8 steals, and 1.7 turnovers. Now, the thing with Edwards and our number one rookie we'll get to is it's just, I mean, it's not surprising that rookie guards have low efficiency, but, I mean, it is just bad with Edwards, and I think he's uh, in the bottom 19% in overall offensive efficiency, which isn't really ideal for a number one overall pick, but he definitely shows potential that he could be better, or, honestly, he could not. You never know with the Timberwolves, you know, Towns was uh, a great success for them, I mean, I guess, like, the Timberwolves haven't really had great success, but they've had great players. But then uh, they had Wiggins, who uh, never really met his full potential that everybody expected to expected him to fulfill, especially on the two-way side, and that's what worries me with Edwards. Uh, his defense just isn't there. But he carries the unfortunate burden of garnering the expectations that come with being the first overall pick. At times, he shows Dwayne Wade flashlight qualities, With his athleticism and explosive quick step, uh, explosive quick for step, we saw that when he had one of the highlights of the year, when he nearly jumped over. I think it was Utah Watanabe against the Raptors. One of the best dunks I've seen this season. One of the best highlights of the season. You know, it's that type of stuff that he provides, and if he can do that consistently, like easy All Star. But other times, similarly to Wiseman. He just kind of looks like a deer in headlights he makes bad decisions he takes bad shots he throws easy turnovers uh, just low iq plays that you would like to see improve but are pretty typical of rookies going forward for edwards though um, he should probably focus on studying film closing in those gaps in his mind uh, for the game and in his game in general namely improving on the defensive end and playing within a system rather than outside of it and like rather than playing within the system he wants a system to be built around him which I guess is fair for a number one overall pick but definitely not for one with kind of a confusing roster construction that the Timberwolves have going forward for the Timberwolves I think if they really care about Edwards it would probably be in their best interest to move on from D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns I mean, their whole whore as it is. Like, it seems like they're rebuilding, but they have these good players that are young and approaching their their early primes. The Timberwolves are just in a mess, and honestly, I I don't see them escaping it anytime soon. Uh, I mean, they they ended a twenty year playoff draft Like, after going all in for Jimmy Butler, who they ended up, ended up losing, they're the worst team in the league right now. And, I mean. If we thought the Suns were dysfunctional back in the day, couple only a couple years ago when they traded T.J. Warren for a second round pick, I mean people just completely overlook the the utter the utter disaster that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. But moving on, uh, let's let's talk about our second uh, the second best rookie this year so far, Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton's averaging thirteen point two points, three point four boards, five point four assists. 1.4 steals and, and 1.5 turnovers while shooting, get this, 49% field goal percentage total, 43% from three, and 83% from the line. Halliburton, in many ways, is like the anti-Edwards, like the anti lamella As a rookie, and I mean just as a player in general, he's hyper-efficient, and he makes winning plays. His rugged style doesn't produce nearly the amount of highlights, though, but... He edges over ball in Edwards, and I believe he's top of the rookie class in win shares. And so that paints a clear picture of individual value and uh, value added to his current situation, uh, the Sacramento Kings. He sits at the 81st percentile for overall offensive uh, efficiency. And he has an impressive polished game that resembles a seasoned veteran. I heard earlier it was Andre Miller-esque. I I never got to watch Andre Miller when he was younger, but it doesn't really resemble the old Andre Miller that I'm accustomed to. But trust me, if you watch Halliburton, his impact speaks a lot louder than his stats do. He runs the floor. He can play in three-guard lineups. He can play in two-guard lineups. He can play with pretty much any player. He just fits so perfectly because he's such an unselfish, fun, uh, like, just just an unselfish and fun player who loves to hustle and that's one of those guys you really appreciate yet also at the same time are a little bit confused how he fell to 12 maybe it's because of that weird jumper he had but i mean it i mean as he said it translates he he gets it off i mean he's shooting over 40% from 3 so he's just that type of Swiss army knife combo guard every team would love to have and i'm sure teams like the suns Teams like, uh, I don't know if this is, no, 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 not the Celtics, but definitely teams like the Suns are just kicking themselves that they didn't get to pick him because they could definitely use him over Jalen Smith, who literally, I think is in the G League. I mean, Jalen Smith has done nothing this year. Um, Moving on to our number one rookie selection halfway through the season. If you don't know by now, it's LaMelo Ball. So, my own opinion of LaMelo Ball pre-draft was that I thought he would be, okay, I didn't think he was going to be this good. I thought he was going to be good coming out of the gates, maybe, but I did not see him being this good. I thought what he's averaging now could be something that he did four years down the road, definitely not in year one, which is really promising. He's averaging just about 15 points per game at 14.8. 6.1 6.1 rebounds, six assists, 2.8 turnovers, which is pretty unfortunate to see. He's shooting 43% overall from the field, 35% from three, and 81% from the line. So while there's no doubt that Paul exhibits all NBA potential, the Rookie of the Year Award doesn't measure potential. As we've seen with guys like Tyre Evans and Mark Carter-Williams, uh, they kind of prove that. But the question is, what has he done for us lately? Well, we have him at the number one spot for a reason. He's definitely begun to run away with this race. His long frame and superb court vision demonstrate, well, dare I say, magic as tendencies. Yes, I just compared him to Magic Johnson. I just think they have a similar, they have a similar fun-loving poise with, uh, about them. The way they just kind of chuck the ball and it ends up in the perfect spot, like we've seen with the the Airbnb ball and bridges combo. Uh, he just kind of has a knack for, a knack for highlights. Just kind of an instinct. His stunning, his stunning highlight plays and flashy gameplay allow for any NBA fan to look past his glaring inefficiencies. But at almost three turnovers a game in just about 28 minutes, James Rago does not see past that. And his criticism of the Ball was very fair. Uh, he, it was the reason why I didn't want to start him because his uh, major inefficiencies. But When Stevonte Graham went down, ball uh, emerged as the starting lineup and has been taking off ever since. Uh, He's in the bottom 30 percentile in offensive efficiency per Synergy Sports, but he still maintains a massive impact. His rebounds are real. They're not Russell Westbrook stat-padding rebounds. They're real hustle rebounds instead of freebies. His assists are masterful, and most of all, the Hornets are winning games. Now, this isn't just because of him. Guys like Rozier, guys like Hayward have definitely stepped up this season, but I mean, it definitely is nice to have a guy like Ball averaging almost seven assists per game, uh, almost, uh, sorry, six assists per game, Uh, being one of those uh, unselfish, fun-loving facilitators, especially as a young, positive, energy-radiating player. He's just the type of guy that everybody uh, loves to play with, and so... You know, they can look past the fact that he's not shooting very well. He's throwing a lot of turnovers, uh, especially because they're winning. But honestly, I would attribute the success of the team mostly to Hayward. But we'll we'll give some of the ball. We'll give some of the ball. Uh, Currently, the Hornets are in the 10th seed, two games out of the 8th seed. Um, You know, that's just kind of something that comes and goes in the Eastern Conference. Teams will will be in and out of the playoffs throughout the whole year. It's just a matter of where you finish. It's not really about where you are at any given moment. But you know the Hornets can make a swing at the playoffs. They were sitting at the sixth seed for a while until the Celtics kind of got their bearings. We could get into the Celtics later when um, I speak with Nico later for her, the next podcast. But there's no doubt he has game. Let's just see if he continues it for the rest of the season. So, yeah, that was the top five. We had LaMelo, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and Emmanuel Quickly rounding out my top five. Um, You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what happens to this rookie class. Uh, At least something for me, something that is really interesting for me is how each class performs as a unit and how those individuals in that class kind of combine to build a legacy of that year as we've seen with 2013 the Giannis Oladipo Steven Adams draft there's always those type of players that kind of lie in the shadows and either develop late or were immediate impacts at kind of a late lottery maybe even early second round position um we saw in 2014 Marcus Smart Aaron Gordon going really early and then guys like um Joel Embiid sitting out two years and even becoming something special at the three spot. 2015, we had Jokic, who was a second-round pick and arguably the best player in that draft. 2016, we had Carl Towns, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker. 2017, who do we have? I don't even remember. 2017 very well, but (coughs) I will say every draft surely has their own storylines. And it's always something I look forward to. Oh, yeah, 2017 was the Markin and jimmy Butler trade uh, fiasco. That was kind of the big headline. But, you know, every every draft seems to have their own storyline, their own little, per, uh, I wouldn't say personality, but kind of their own special qualities to it. And, uh, you know, this one where there's nobody really jumping out immediately, off, like kind of jumping off to the races right away, this is definitely a draft that I think has potential to be one of those special 2013 ones where somebody emerges that you wouldn't necessarily expect. So this top five now could be extremely different by the end of the year and you know when it's all said and done for these guys I have no doubt in my mind that this will be a different list. Now could LaMelo be at the top? Probably. But anyways um, as always if you guys have anything any comments any questions just let me know. Um, in the review section of the podcast, in the uh, rating section, just let me know. Um, This has been Aaron signing off for volume 10 of the Range Extender Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.